All right, guys. I got some good news. Jake, I know I disappointed you a, a couple of weeks ago. Uh, also kind of disappoint you regularly. Nick, glad you could make it. I have some big news. You're quitting. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, are you, are, you, are you ready? Are you excited? Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, yes, I'm ready, to, I'm ready to hear this big news. Yes. Yeah, I have a big announcement. I have sold the podcast to Endeavor. the same endeavor here the um, same one yes the very same the sa- one the very same one the mm-hmm. same one ufc wwe and 10 bell pod all on under the same umbrella okay um well that's that's interesting news mm-hmm. uh, for for sure uh, mm-hmm. noteworthy follow-up question mm-hmm. uh can you provide a name mm-hmm. from said company that you've just mentioned dana white who you that, that's who you're talking to. That's one of the many, yes. No, I mean, like, who is your contact on, on this particular sale? Dana. Dana White and I were in contact. Okay. You, even Dana White. Uh, uh, first of all, I think, Nick, you should jump in here and be irate because I consider you the captain of the ship and somebody just <laughs> sold your rights underneath of you. Uh, you should be livid right now. I, I'm keeping my composure. I just want information. Yeah, if, if um, Endeavor gives Vince any creative control over this, I quit. Well, uh, you're already fired, first of all. Uh, <laughs> that was Vince's first edict. Jake, they love what you're doing, baby. Keep it up. Uh, I am also fired. Okay. So I, it just uh, a man screaming into the microphone saying that people don't understand wrestling um, and you really need to pay attention to the entire story. A bald man with weird facial hair telling wrestling fans like, no, 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 I know what's best for you. You need to, to pay attention to the entire story. We don't finish stories here. We just continue on forever. Is that what we're doing here now at 10 bell pod yep you'll get three million dollars a year oh okay i'm in i'm in <laughs> i'm in let's uh, i will talk into whatever microphone you want you can even stick some dog poo in this microphone i will talk right into it i don't i don't care that's that's great vince loves dog shit jokes he loves them <laughs> i know that's why i brought it up he loves poop jokes he yep. loves poop I, and i'll say that with my tongue going nah, 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 right in front of it too like nah. <laughs> like it, and then like will this be the week and my tongue like touches the poo you won't know because it's radio and not tv that's the even funnier part that was it that was the intro <laughs> okay <laughs> Thanks for not letting me down. I knew it was something shitty like that. So, <laughs> congratulations for not knowing the timeline of the show. That is now old news. This particular show has come out a month after that happened, and WWE's already sold again. So congratulations <laughs> for, you know, not understanding how to make an episode evergreen as always, Tyler. Guys, Appreciate I it. sold us to Disney. Yeah, there we go. That's evergreen. <laughs> they, they, they own everything. They will own this podcast eventually. It'll take some time. <laughs> All right, hello and welcome to Ten Bell Pod by Endeavor. I am Nick Alexander, joined as always by Tyler Wood. Hello. We are, of course, joined by the Doctor of Tentonomics. The camp is here. The camp is here. The Man Scout, Jake Batting. One of the only. Thank you so much, Nicholas, for giving me two nicknames instead of one. I appreciate it to making up for last week. I appreciate that. <laughs> All right, so we have a 
rough one. Today we're going to get into Ashley Massaro. Tyler, I feel like finally we have a story right up your alley. So I'll, I'll go to you. What's your thoughts on Miss Ashley Massaro? So I saw the entirety of Ashley's career uh, while I was watching WWE as a, a young man and definitely had a crush on her growing up. She was like the cool alternative girl. I never really noticed it at the time, but she did bear a striking resemblance to Avril Lavigne. And uh, yeah, not, not that any of the stories on here are ever happy, but you know, an especially sad <laughs> story too with like, she was a victim, I feel, of like that very toxic female talent environment that WWE had slash probably still has to some extent. I'm thankful, too, that we are covering somebody whose entire career happened during the time that Tyler was alive. That, <laughs> I, that is usually a, that is a rarity. Normally, there's a little bit of years that happen before Tyler was ever born. So mm -hmm. luckily, during this entire, entire run of her time on TV, Tyler was a human being. I'm thankful for that. But yeah, the end of every one of these shows is hard. Sometimes we can cushion that blow. I feel like this today is going to be a little tough. We'll try and preload as many jokes up front. We will try and be as sensitive and empathetic as we possibly can on the back half. Hopefully you guys are, will come along with a ride with us because it is important to discuss her as a part of wrestling history. And that's what we do here on this program is we take names that people may forget about, flip through, haven't thought about for years, and bring them to the forefront and, and give them their time and discuss their lives and their importance in professional wrestling. And she definitely has a place in professional wrestling and should be discussed here on this podcast with some of the wonderful wrestling legends that we have had. So that cannot be glazed over, neglected, thrown in the trash. It should be respected, heralded like everybody else. Kind of wanted to start this off with a little talk on this era of uh, women's wrestling because discussing it can be complicated. And I know if we've talked about it a lot before, but when it comes to, you know, blatant sexuality, the okayness of it really comes down to the intentions and the willingness of the women doing it, you know, doing something like a bra and panty match. You know, some women are like, hey, I'm hot. I'll roll out there in a bra cat fight and get this money. And that's totally okay if they're on board. But some women are like, dude, I just want to do some arm drags. Please just treat me like a wrestler. You know, then, then it's a little fucked up. But either way, was this era of women's wrestling a positive thing? Did it move the sport forward? You can debate that back and forth. But I will say that these women did travel 300 days a year. They took bumps. They broke bones. They dealt with God knows what from pervy-ass fans and backstage predators. So, you know, it's not fair to dismiss the entire era. And I say that as someone who is very guilty of doing it. Yeah, I mean, there's, there are times where like, oh, why you got to get these models in here? And same can be said about dudes. Like, why you got to bring these guys that are just Division One athletes that don't even care about wrestling? Yeah. Like, WWE is notorious about doing that. But it's also, there's a lot of people like that who I've met, and I actually get to know them and find them to be wonderful people and they end up loving wrestling just as much as i do they just came at it a little late and that happens you know you talk about the diva search era of female wrestling it got a lot of eyes on professional wrestling in a, in a female form obviously it was very clumsy and <laughs> how it was portrayed and put out there but 
You look at somebody like Maria Canellis, who was found through the Diva Search, and I would say she has contributed positively for decades in professional wrestling and, and numerous other female uh, performers in this business. It, it was There's more positive that has come out of it than, I believe, negative. And I think the negative lives in certain people's perceptions and their bitterness. It was very problematic. It probably shaped me partially as a person. Uh-oh. <laughs> I literally thought Tyler was going to be like, I like boobies. I don't care. I'm <laughs> sorry. I, like, I, I, like I, I, like, I, I like boobies. I like boobies. I don't care. Like, Listen, I do like boobies, Jake. Uh, 100% I do. And this is not the place to talk about that, I feel, even though there were so many boobs on television at the time. Listen, I, I'm a man. You're a man. When they put an attractive woman on TV, especially a wrestling program, we're going to pay attention. Yes, my eyes and... go ooga like a wolf, and I <laughs> the whole the whole old cartoon bit. And tie somebody to tra- uh, railroad tracks. <laughs> like, that's, that's what happens. You turn into a wolf, your eyes go ooga, and you tie a woman to railroad tracks. So that's that's how it works. So, like, that's what happens. Who who were the like really attractive females in wrestling that you guys had crushes on when you were coming up? Uh, Maria, for sure. Sunny, which I, I feel white trash to say that. Um, <laughs> it's okay. You can think murderers are hot. It's all right. <laughs> I liked Layla L a lot. Um, oh, my God, dude. Layla was amazing. Yeah. Oh, Trish, obviously. Mm-hmm. It's weird when you see some of those people like in person, too. Because you don't want to be creepy at all, and that's not the intention, but it's so like, it's that weird thing of like, hey, I had a huge crush on you. You don't know who I am. <laughs> I feel like this is a much more innocent thought, like even 10 years ago. Yeah. Now it just sounds nefarious. It's, it's like, <laughs> that's not the intention. Especially with your face. Like you, <laughs> you walking up to someone like a Candace Cameron at a, at a Galaxy Con and being like, hey... <laughs> Oh, a big crush on you. Is I do <laughs> like me. the complete opposite and I shut down because I met uh, Victoria at Fable Comic Con last year. Very, very nice. And like, you know, I saw her on TV years ago, thought like similar thing, like, oh my God, this lady's so pretty. And then I'm meeting her as a person. I'm like, all I can say is like, hello, nice to meet you. You've done good work. Thank you. <laughs> Victoria was a legit bright spot from this era, to be honest. 100%. Yeah, in ring, in warming wise, especially like definitely a bright spot at this time. So, Ashley's story is an example of the brutality of the business, the callousness of Vince, and in spots, unfortunately, the pure evil of human beings. Big warning up front: this gets incredibly dark at least twice. But you know, we'll make it fun. On the front end. On the back half, we're just going to state the facts. <laughs> like, so we're, we're trying to make it f- funny up front. Uh, so we're going we're gonna to shift in that gear right now. And then when it's time to shift back into empathy and respect, we, w- we will most certainly do that. But we're going to make some jokes up front. And we're going to be dumb men about it, too. So like, Tyler's going to talk about boobies some more. I call them breasts. Ashley Marie Massaro was born May 26, 1979 in New York City. She was raised in Babylon, New York, and she was born into a very athletic family with her brother, her dad, her uncle, uh, all competing in amateur wrestling. So she had, she had the wrestling in the blood. 
She graduated high school in 97. She went on to get a degree in communication with a minor in business. Ashley was obviously a very attractive person, so she got uh, right into modeling, into the pageant scene. She was crowned Miss Hawaiian Tropic USA in 02 and Miss Hawaiian Tropic Canada in 04. She also did some modeling in Playboy in 03 and 04. This is before the big WWE cover, obviously. Uh, and I believe she just modeled for the articles. <laughs> so this is a little bit like Daphne, where she was an actor and her like casting agent got her hooked up with WCW. Ashley would find out about the WWE 2005 Diva search from her casting director during a swimsuit pageant. So she did it. You know, we're giving a lot of these girls grief. When really the person we should be giving grief to are casting directors. <laughs> like everybody's like, oh, how could these women just come in here and, and jump into the front of the line and getting on TV and they're not real wrestlers. No, the people to blame are the casting directors. Those are the people that, that eggs on Twitter should be mad at. It's all the casting directors. They're the ones who created the Diva Search era. If you've only ever seen like the NXT, like the first couple of seasons of that, and you love the complete clumsy awkwardness of some of the inabilities to do promos a lot of that in the diva searches if you want to go back and check that out <laughs> and not just on nxt but put on national fucking television yeah. <laughs> on raw the flagship program the longest running television show on cable the top rated cable television program of all time whatever accolades let's put absolute amateurs out there and give them no direction and then sit in the back and laugh at them. <laughs> what could go wrong? All right, so Ashley made it down to the final three contestants showing up on Raw August 15th, 2005, where fan voting on WWE.com would determine the winner. Uh, not sure if that's kayfabe, but after getting it narrowed down to the final two earlier in the show, Ashley and Layla, uh, not Layla L, the wrestler, but some other person, were uh, the final two with Coachman revealing the winner, who was, of course, Ashley. And I think, Tyler, you kind of touched on it, and I've heard other people talk about this as well, is that Ashley was something different than all the other girls that were in the Diva Search, but also, too, that were already in the WWE. Like, you had to have some... You always have to have some sort of hook or some sort of thing that makes you different. And, and something that, you know, when I, when I was with Sojo and we were putting together Queens of Combat, she'd be like, oh, I need a redhead. I need, I have too many blonde girls. I, I, I need more black girls. I need more, more Latino girls. Or I, I, need, I need a really super hot blonde who's bitchy. You know, like she always had these archetypes so you know whatever you look for in in, in a female the, the male audience there's something to, to attract to but also too if you're the punk rock girl you you wear hats backwards and you wear fishnets like ashley's a girl you know and if that's your your type you know you just mentioned earlier she had that avril lavigne look to her as as a guy that had a huge crush on avril lavigne growing up who, if I'm lucky enough, I will tell her and make her feel awkward at a Galaxy Con someday and let, <laughs> with sweaty palms and tell her that my name is Tyler Wood and then <laughs> run away. Um, but she definitely fulfilled that spot. And I think at that moment in time, really the only person that comes close to that archetype of a woman would have been Lita. And, yeah. and Lita had kind of evolved into something else at this time. And 
Ashley is now taking that spot of that particular woman that the male fans can go, that's my type of girl. And female fans can connect with like, well, that's the type of girl that I have. And this is what I would be like if I was on television. A week later, on August 22nd, 05's Raw, Candice Michelle and Tori Wilson showed up uh, after apparently getting traded from SmackDown. So they were new to Raw as well. Uh, they'd bring out Ashley, trying to welcome her into the brand, but uh, they swerve broed her, attacked her after pretending to be really nice to her, which is, you know, that's very, very mean. Next week, Ashley made her in-ring debut August 29th on Raw. And if you're like, wow, she's making her in-ring debut and the guys of Tim Bell Pod are yet to mention where she trained. Was it maybe the Monster Factory? Did she go down to Charlotte and maybe train some George South? Maybe a very intense crash course with WWE Hall of Famer Johnny Rods. And the answer would be, she was not trained. In fact, she went to WWE multiple times throughout her career and was like, hey, you know how pro wrestling is like the most dangerous thing a human can do? What if you trained me to do that before I did it? And the response was more or less, Nah, what do you need trained for? This is broad wrestling toots. Pull some hair, show your tits, and get the fuck out of the ring. We're trying to push Chris Masters. The master lock was over back in the day, Nick. Don't, don't, <laughs> don't knock it till you tried it. Uh, but yeah, even like, I'd only been watching wrestling a couple, couple of years at this point, but like the amount of difference between the matches that happened between the women and the matches that happened between the men, it was so impossible not to see even as a younger fan watching that it maybe isn't like, you know, I wasn't on the internet looking up everything I could about wrestling news at the time, but even I could be like, hey, there's something up with the women that they have employed yeah. here the matches are they just don't look like they're actually on the verge of hurting each other at all or they were hurting each other like <laughs> there was the, that's a, the bad part of this that's the scary part <laughs> and that's the fucked up part is the stuff that like doesn't look like it hurts actually probably hurts you worse than yeah. the stuff that's like the softest thing will take care of you and there is like these poor women a lot of them that were like forced to wrestle in like big clunky heels and boots and I just remembered this move that I used to refer to all the fucking time when it came to the, like these diva search contestants that were thrown in the ring. Feel free to take this out if you think this is too insensitive, but I used to call it the abortion kick. <laughs> like, like these girls would kick each other in the stomach, but they like didn't know how to like, because, you know, doing a work kick, it takes years of practice and you got to work on it and you're going to stumble and bumble and, you know, just doing it in regular wrestling boots or tennis shoes is tough enough as it is. A lot of these girls are doing it heels, so their balance is going to be off, and then picking up their foot and kicking a girl in the stomach can be a little awkward, and it's going to end up being low, and it's going to look like they're punching them right in the uterus. And to be fair, though, Nicholas, the critique you said earlier, push your tits out, pull some hair, put the master lock on, that's pretty much the same notes that Chris Masters was given, so <laughs> <laughs> to be fair. So I'm one of the few wrestling fans who has been lucky enough to be able to fuck around in a wrestling ring a few times. And the thing that blew my mind is, you know, we're so used to seeing a Rey Mysterio Jr. or a Ricochet fucking front flip onto the top turnbuckle, do a cartwheel on the rope, shooting star press, land on their feet. It's hard just to stand on the fucking turnbuckle. Like it is so you need so much 
balance and athleticism just to run the ropes, to stand on the turnbuckle, to do anything in the ring. So to put someone who has never done that before on national TV, you, you, they're already felling. And that shows you just how little of a fuck they gave about yeah. the women wrestling because Ashley's like going up to them for like, she's going like, please, for love of fuck, let me train. I want to get good at this. And they're like, nah, now you got a bra and panties match coming up. Not, <laughs> what do we need to send you away to train for? Train where you can get hurt? Nah, if you're going to get yeah. hurt, you can do that on TV. For Ashley's first match, she is taking on former women's champion Victoria. So, you know, at least she's in good hands. Although sometimes... I felt like Victoria would kind of lay it in just out of like, you think you're a pro wrestler? I'll show you pro wrestling once in a while. Well, also too, the thing with that, maybe when you're trying to lead somebody that's that green, you have to be forceful with them because you're as you're hitting them, you're not really 100% sure that they know how to sell yeah. or know how to sell it accurately. But boy, if you really hit them really hard, they're going to register it exactly <laughs> how you want them to register it. So you might as well lay it in. Hey, man, Victoria ain't the lady to mess with, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I think I have it in a match later, but there's a, a few times where uh, Victoria needed to suplex her. And she's like, I don't care if you get up or not. You're getting suplexed. <laughs> and she just powered her up there. <laughs> but, all right. So... Uh, <laughs> This is a very short match. Ashley tries to get the jump before the bell, before the match starts. They end up in the ring. Victoria takes over, hits her finisher, and Ashley loses her first match in about 30 seconds. The September 5th episode of Raw, Masaro was defeated by Tori Wilson, and that was because of a little bit of uh, interference from Victoria and Candice. But part of this interference... Victoria hit Ashley with a neckbreaker, and since Ashley was not trained, since she did not know how to take a neckbreaker, she would suffer the first of many concussions after being knocked unconscious. So that's no good. As it's laid out thus far, uh, you know, it's Ashley against Tori, Victoria, Candace, until September 12th's Raw. Tori, Victoria, Candace out cutting a promo. Ashley walks out and she lets them know she has a little bit of surprise and finally some backup from women's champion and very much trained pro wrestler Trish Stratus. And uh, the two run down, they clear the ring. And this is, you know, like Ashley's first sort of a, a form of a win. She came out on top here. This is as close as you can get to the top of the division. And she is there within, what is that, two months? Two, two weeks. Two weeks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that is, I don't know if they're even giving her the ball here because it's not fair, I feel like, to put somebody who's not trained up at the top of the women's division and expect them to be able to succeed. It's like not being able to give, you can't give someone the ball if they don't have cleats, you know what I mean? Google Sable, Tyler. <laughs> I've heard things about her. <laughs> Mostly so, about her boobies, right, Tyler? That's all you know is her, her boobies? Her breasts are large, from what I've heard. That's the word on the street. That's, that's, that's all Tyler knows is just the boobies. I believe that's... she's married to Brock Lesnar. I will stop talking about them. <laughs> about them as, in, as, as them as in Brock and... Brock and Sable. Brock and Sable. Brock's the left one, Sable's the right one. Uh, okay, all right. Just to clarify. To clarify. Nick, right. are you thinking about how much you're going to have to chop this episode up? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, oh, man, I'm having fun. <laughs> All right, so on the house show loop, Ashley's getting some, you know, much lower pressure experience. 
you know, she's getting to learn not on TV, but she's uh, mostly tagging up with Trish against combinations and sometimes all three of Victoria Candice Tori. And this would uh, lead to a tag team match at 05's Unforgiven, where Trish and Ashley faced Tori and Victoria. And <laughs> for these matches, Jerry Lawler's commentary Dude. is fucking unbearable. I was going to say it's on point because <laughs> I was, I was going to say timeless. But <laughs> Dude, it, it is such a perfect encapsulation of all of these problems just tied up in a nice, neat little bow. It's ungodly if you think of it as someone doing a jerry lawler impression oh my god it <laughs> is amazing but when you think about how many times per minute he objectified these women oh in my- such creative ways it's really <laughs> astonishing well and as you've seen from the a e biography like he wrote all these comments down so he he's sitting there writing his perv joke notebook of just numerous upon numerous ways he could describe a woman's breasts her butt and and go (laughs) like that man is i've only ever used this term when describing deshaun watson but i feel like it also sums up jerry the king lawler he is despicably horny and i i wish i could take the same amount of testosterone dose that he does just so I could stay virile <laughs> in my old age as well, because that man is despicably horny. I swear to God, dude, at that time, if a woman would have brought out a pen to like sign a contract, I'm pretty sure you would have gone, oh my God, it's a pen. You think she'll show it up my ass, JR? You think she'll show it up my ass? <laughs> and then Coachman is just as bad, but he's like on the opposite end of the spectrum. He's like that kid in ninth grade who's like, yeah, I've banged like 15 girls, but he's never actually said a complete sentence to a woman before. Uh, Coachman is just as pervy, just in a dorky way. All right, so back to this match. Trish and Victoria start out, and, you know, they work very well together. Both are very solid wrestlers. Ashley gets her first pay-per-view time getting tagged in against Victoria. And, you know, Ashley is clearly, like, a very athletic human being. Like, she moves well. She's, she had the forward roll down. But, you know, as I mentioned, very limited training. Trish and uh, Victoria end up wrapping up the match with some fun spots, and then Trish gets the win. And Ashley gets her first official career victory. Following night on Raw, Ashley would go down to the ring with Trish, where she beat Tori Wilson. But after the match, Victoria, Candice, and Tori, uh, Pearl Harbor, Trish, and Ashley. So the feud continues. They would meet at WWE Homecoming, October 3rd, which is the uh, first Monday Night Raw back on USA Network after they uh, went to Spike TV for a while. Trish and Ashley beat Tori and Candice and Victoria in the first ever three-on-two bra and panties match by stripping them all down to their bra and panties. Kudos to you, Nick, for delivering that piece of dialogue the same way that you delivered a piece of dialogue during the Harley Race episode when talking about an NWA world title match (laughs) in the Checkerdome. You delivered that so eloquently, directly, so seriously, with such professionalism. So much, in fact, that Jerry the King Lawler would be upset at you. Um, <laughs> yeah, Nick, next time you deliver a line, can you talk about my tits, please? <laughs> Ashley and Trish continued facing combinations of Tori, Victoria, and Candace before heading into 05's Taboo Tuesday, which is uh, season two of Taboo Tuesday on Peacock. 
There, she would uh, compete in the Fulfill Your Fantasy Divas Battle Royal. So... Jay, let's talk about fantasies. I got some fantasies. Please tell me some fantasies. Please tell me. Woo, woo, fantasies. I got fantasies too. I got great fantasies. Woo, woo. Oh, Jr. They they got to grab him and throw him over the top rope. I'd let him grab me anywhere. Woo. <laughs> <laughs> this is a battle royal style match for the women's title. Most of them are already in lingerie, so no stripping necessary. Ashley eliminated Candice before she got eliminated by Victoria. But Trish would go on to win and hold on to her title. And then after the match, Mickey James is there doing the whole crazed fan for Trish thing. And that's going to play into the story uh, a little bit later. And this is the beginning of the end for Ashley being in that kind of spot. Yeah. That, that near the, the top of the card. I don't know if I, I read it or heard it or I'm misremembering or what, but the, the role that Mickey James fell into... I think had been talked about maybe for Ashley at some point. If not, okay. officially, it's a fun thing to think about in the what-ifs of, like, what if they had gone with Ashley in the spot of Mickey James for this upcoming feud? How would that have gone? Rolling into 2006 and Season 2's New Year's Revolution, Ashley would be part of a bra and panty gauntlet match. So, entrance come in one at a time and you eliminate your opponent by uh stripping them they get to come in one at a time jr well what if there's three in there we have a threesome oh my gosh jr what's gonna happen oh my gosh oh my gosh they can be five at a time broad pennies there's a may young and a moolah run in before ashley gets in and in all of 10 seconds wins then Ashley would get into a singles feud with Mickey, leading up to 06's, uh, or season 19's, uh, Royal Rumble. Continuing on that crazy Trish fan saga, Mickey would attack Ashley several times since, you know, Trish and Ashley were tagging together. They were very close. At the 06 Royal Rumble, Ashley faced Mickey with champion Trish as a special guest referee. You can tell Ashley's been trying here. You know, she's got a few more moves in her bag. You know, she's in there with Mickey, who is more than a capable wrestler. She's under the supervision of referee Trish. So, you know, they get through this very high profile Royal Rumble match, you know, one of the big four. And uh, Mickey gets the win with a fucking brutal corner power bomb. Like she she stuck it to her. I feel like it was a little bit before this, too, that Ashley and Trish were vaguely like taunting a lesbian relationship. See, that's the type of long-term storytelling we don't have nowadays. <laughs> Story's never finished. <laughs> so they do basically the same match on February 6th Raw. This time there's a little ref bump from Trish. Mickey goes to check on Trish, and then Ashley gets the schoolgirl roll-up for the win in about 60 seconds. Then we get to one of the first really bad things to happen to Ashley in her career. On the February 20th episode of Raw, Ashley is in a Divas Battle Royal that would determine who goes to WrestleMania to face Trish for the belt. She makes it down to the final three against uh, Mickey and Candice, who is kind of hiding in the uh, somewhere, I don't know. They get to the corner, and Mickey gets like this uh, sort of head scissors takeover where they're both dangling on each side of the rope. Candice comes in out of nowhere, pushes them both out, but Ashley takes this bump all on her leg, uh, fracturing her fibula. She would have to get surgery to insert uh, a five-inch metal plate with eight screws in her leg. So that's no good. While still kind of healing up, 
she would be back on March 20th's Raw, and it was a whole thing where Ashley was kidnapped by Mickey, appearing under a giant gift box. Then that came off. Well, she's under like a black blanket type of thing, but then they showed she was gagged and tied to the chair, trying to draw out Trish, who was now in a full-blown feud with Mickey. This is a fun, good segment. Like, Mickey is in full-scale, like, Joker crazy. Definitely recommend watching this segment. Very dark, evil side of Mickey. It's a lot of fun. The chemistry that Trish and Mickey had at this time, and, like, leading up to that match that they had at WrestleMania, was amazing. And that's what makes me feel, like, a little sadder for Ashley here, is because she went from being right next to Trish, and, like, they're teaming constantly to now she's being used as a prop in another person's feud that is just so on fire. Yeah, and it's tough when that happens, obviously. But also, I remember being so excited, though, that Trish was going to get to wrestle somebody like Mickey because was aware of Mickey, and Mickey has wrestled for years in the indies and was regarded as one of the best you know, female wrestlers anywhere. And now she's going to wrestle Trish and WrestleMania. And I just remember being like so excited for all of this and this whole angle. And, you know, Ashley's in the middle of it, obviously, and she's kind of missing out on all of it. But in the long term, like getting to see two female performers like Trish and Mickey go at it at a WrestleMania, I remember thinking like, hell yeah, the women are going to get more opportunities and get to wrestle more. And have competitive matches like this. So even though she's taking a back seat, she's still in the mix and it's going to be the best for the women's division as a whole. Dealing with, you know, the fractured leg, Ashley would be out several more months. She'd hill up for the most part, coming back at June 2nd, 06, to commentate on SmackDown for a match between uh, Crystal Marshall and Jillian Hall. They're hyping up like Diva Search 06, so Ashley's there to, you know, give some insight. Marshall and Hall have a very solid match with Jillian getting the win, but then uh, right after, Michelle McCool comes down, and I guess in some way she kind of challenges Ashley Crystal Jillian to a bikini contest because that's what happens next week on SmackDown. With Ashley getting the win, Michelle McCool did the whole, I'm not going to take my clothes off, boo, but... Can you say her full name with the hyphen? McCool Taker. Yes, 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 yes. (laughs) (laughs) Uh... You mean Michelle McCool, these colors don't run Taker? <laughs> yes, the very same, the very same. Or Michelle McCool, Blue Lives Matter, Taker? Like, is that what we're talking about? Callaway. Callaway. Oh, I forget, I forget the Callaway part all the time. <laughs> uh, actually, I meant her middle name, Michelle McAinkool. She got much better, but goddamn, she was awful up front, man. Oh, yeah. But uh, she got good, which is, you know, that's how time works. Yeah. Lake Cool was was good. It was a very good team. Yeah, 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 for sure. July 21st, SmackDown, Ashley won her debut match on the brand when she teamed up with Jillian to beat McCool and Marshall. A couple days later at the Great American Bash, Ashley won a fatal four-way bra and panty match, beating Jillian... Michelle and Crystal. August 4th on SmackDown, Ashley would break her knuckle in a match against Crystal Marshall. She should have been out for at least four weeks. And this is one of the first, aside from, uh, according to Paul London, Vince sexually harassing her all the time. 
Ashley would come back on September 8th to team with Paul and Kendrick, which, goddamn, I love that tag team so fucking much. They beat uh, Idol Stevens and Casey James and Michelle in a six-person tag match. And I, this is the story of Vince forcing Ashley to saw the cast off of her hand weeks before it was supposed to come off so that she could do this match. Damn. Yep. And all the times I was with Paul and the times we recorded interviews, like he he talked about like how fantastic Ashley was. She was game for anything. Like they loved having her with their team of him and Brian Kendrick. And they felt it really kind of complimented and liked the fact that like he kind of added something to it. And also too, she was super cool and super positive. And Paul's like, yeah, like this is really cool. And then saw how people like Vince and some of the other agents were so shitty to her. Like that's like one of the things that really turned Paul off to his time at the WWE is how they treated her. Like Paul's got his, you know, issues with how they treated him and Brian and the, and their tag team run and also some of the things and how they treated him. But Paul's always been very much a person when he sees injustice, he becomes immediately disgusted by it. And he saw many of injustice done to Ashley. And that's a lot of where his frustrations and anger for that company come from is how they treated her. Small side thing, but I've met Paul London just as a fan and he seems like a wonderful, like kind person. And that makes total sense that like this was his peak in wrestling because it doesn't seem like the the good people always thrive that much. He's a fascinating dude. Yeah, he's I man, I think about him a lot, and I wish I could just sit down and have like a couple hour conversation with him just to check in, like, and not talk about wrestling even particularly, yeah. but just talk about like, dude, his creative life. mind is fucking amazing, dude. He he's one of my favorite wrestlers ever. Yes, like, he's fucking brilliant, man. And, like, him, Kendrick, they're both, like, really weird out there dudes, too. And they're definitely not the cookie cutter. They're, they're no Bashams, if you know what I mean. They were bringing something really different to the table at the time. And that's why I think the pairing with Ashley worked so well for them. After this match, this is when Ashley starts to, you know, do a lot of uh, valeting for them. During the February 16th of 07's episode of SmackDown, Ashley revealed her Playboy cover. So, you know, she got approached by Playboy, said, yeah, she, as we mentioned, did it some in the past, but now she's on the cover. Huge deal. And this would actually lead to uh, her next couple of feuds. Feud one, Jillian was all salty that Ashley was getting the Playboy push. So uh, they went at it. 07's No Way Out, Season 9, obviously. Uh, Ashley won the first ever Diva Invitational by uh, removing her clothes, revealing her, uh, as Tyler would say, boobies. But they were covered with, like, a Playboy bunny, I don't know, stamp? I don't, I don't know what you... Body paint? Some sort of uh, sensory... It's a travesty, JR, look. I tell you, it's a travesty, that's what you call it. <laughs> the Pisces! Ha! Ha! <laughs> <laughs> After that... Masara would get into a feud with the women's champion, Melina, who was also angry over the Playboy push for Ashley uh, in kayfabe. Maybe real life. Who fucking knows? The... And then she got in a feud with Snitsky, who was mad over the Playboy thing as well. <laughs> 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 what? Is that the, the, the next line of progression? Like, I don't know. So the two had a couple of uh, scraps on SmackDown before uh, getting official at WrestleMania 23 in a Lumberjack match. Uh, Melina wins with this like crazy roll up 
bridge kind of pin thing in uh, just over three minutes. I want to say this is Ashley's best singles match. It is three minutes, mm-hmm. but you know, if you're looking at work rate, brother, this is this is it. After Mania, it was back to valeting for London and Kendrick. So in the storyline on April 13th's episode of SmackDown, uh, Ashley got attacked by Jillian to put her out. In reality, she had a screw loose from her uh, previously fractured leg. She had to go get that fixed and would miss a little more time. She would return June 1st, 07, on an episode of SmackDown. She helped Michelle McCool, who I guess is a face at this point, beat Jillian after uh, she distracted her. And then the next week on SmackDown, she was fired for spilling coffee on Vince. But that, that's kayfabe, guys. This, this shit's pre-written. Ashley was really taking some time off to compete in Survivor China, or as people in China call it, China. I'm going to turn her hill for you some, Jake. Prior to this experience, Ashley had never been camping before. I mean, she was in New York, so the only version of camping she knows is someone being homeless. So I, that's, <laughs> I, um, that's urban camping. That's as close as she's ever going to come to that. But yeah, living in, in New York City, I'm not surprised. On the show, she made it to the second episode, getting voted off six to one. I, I've never watched Survivor, so I don't know what they what they do. I don't know what they do there. I don't know what they do either. And I watched the entire first season, and then also too, somebody from my hometown was just on this last season of Survivor. So, oh shit! Yeah, Cody Asamacher. If you're oh, familiar I, with the 2005 Diva Search, it's roughly the same competition. <laughs> okay. All right. Cool. Nice to know. All right. Did they, they have some despicably horny old man going, ah, oh, brown panties, Survivor, what, what titties are going to be the Survivor of the situation? Much like WWE, they had hundreds. Okay, all right, cool. Yep. All right, so now we get into, for sure, the darkest part of the episode, quite possibly the darkest moment in our podcast. If you want to hit that uh, skip button a few dozen times. Maybe a hundred, I don't know, a hundred times? <laughs> So I had a very hard time placing this in the timeline. Some articles say 06, but it's over and over again, 07. So Ashley went overseas to Kuwait on a tour to, you know, tribute to the troops kind of thing. If it was tribute to the troops, that came out in December of 07. So that would roughly put it at the end of December. I I just don't don't know where to place it, but we're going to talk about it here. The lawyer behind that big concussion lawsuit, Constantine Cryos, I believe, released an affidavit with tons of claims from Ashley, uh, ranging from just, you know, general mistreatment of her and her injuries, her lack of training. And then there's a story from Kuwait that is a scene straight out of a horror movie. But before we get to that, WWE released a statement saying none of this is true. The lawyer is just trying to, uh, you know, run WWE's name through the mud to win the case, blah, blah, blah. Oh boy, hard, know, hard to do that. <laughs> as we know, Vince and WWE has no history of uh, pure uncaged evil and breaking every law known to man. That said, you hope this story is not true. You hope Ashley didn't have to go through this. You hope this is some quack lawyer trying to win a case, but uh, sadly, I, I, I don't think that's it. So in 07, on a visit to Kuwait during a two-week tour to support the troops, again, according to an affidavit, which is a sworn testimony, perjury if you lie on it, you know, it's hot in Kuwait. 
Ashley uh, started having some menstrual cramps and she was like, hey, can I just go chill in the air conditioned Humvee? But, you know, the soldiers were like, hey, this happens all the time here. It's hot. It's dry. You need an IV and you're good to go. She didn't really want to do that, but, you know, they pressured her. She went to the hospital section, got the IV. So she's she's chilling in bed, IV in her arm. She's approached by a man in street clothes claiming to be a doctor. He's with a, a woman in army fatigues. And Ashley thought this was weird because every other doctor was wearing scrubs, as, you know, doctors tend to do. As she gets approached, the alleged doctor uh, wills Ashley into a, a different room. They put her on a different table. The lady in fatigues guarded the door, and the man proceeded to inject her with a drug that paralyzed her. But she was still conscious. So she's essentially paralyzed. She can't move. She can't talk. And the man raped Ashley. And she couldn't defend herself. She was drugged. And, you know, obviously this is the worst moment of her life. To make matters even just a little bit worse, Ashley reported what had happened to her in Kuwait. And Vince said that it was not in WWE's best interest to make the details of her attack public. They should keep it confidential. He apologized for what happened, but he didn't want one bad experience to ruin his working relationship with the military. To ensure nothing like this happened again, apparently they put in a policy where a female wrestler would be escorted 24-7 in the Middle East, but the damage is done. No one helped Ashley. No one took her to therapy. Basically, it was shit happens. You're on SmackDown this Friday. Get ready. Which is the absolute worst thing that could happen to you when something like that happens is that you tell somebody about it and they do absolutely fucking nothing. I mean, it it really doesn't get any fucking worse than this. And for Vince to come out and be like, well, we, we can't tarnish the good name of the military. And it's not about the military. It doesn't make like, it's like we can make it about like, well, this happened in a military base. All military people are are rapists. You know, no, it's this dude that did this to this woman is a bad person and he needs to feel consequences for it. If you're any type of a boss where you're over top of people, you you got to feel responsible for people. And does Vince McMahon feel responsible for people? Probably fucking not. Because if he did, he'd be like, look, we need to find this guy. That person needs to be brought up front. He needs to be put on charges. Full stop on fucking everything. Now, I'm sure if something slightly smaller of happened to Vince McMahon where somebody was rude to him on an army base, he would say, full stop, you show me respect. But one of my employees, yeah, you can do the absolute worst thing to him. That's terrible. It's awful. And of course, since we've already dated this episode and when it happens, this man just became a billionaire multiple times over just a few hours ago. Oh, don't worry. Karma will get him, Jake. I was going to save this conversation for when Vince died, but maybe we Dude, I'm not it sure here. it's going to happen. Like, I keep <laughs> putting my like requests in, and boy, not happening. 
Vince is one of the worst people who, who has ever lived. Like, yep. uh, he's not a genocidal dictator. I was going to say, political uh, people aside, yeah, he is, like, fucking... Yeah. I think he beats Harvey Weinstein. Not that it needs to be a competition. Uh, look, yeah, it's not... Yeah, yeah. But... And it's so hard because I, I, I at least personally have some amount of guilt. I just went to WrestleMania. If you're listening to this podcast, there is a chance that Vince McMahon is responsible for 80% of your childhood memories. So it's like, you can't just turn that switch off. But at the same time, who the fuck are we supporting? Just an absolute psychopath, a criminal, just again, the worst person that you can possibly be. He's had a million chances to not be that, and he picks the wrong thing every single fucking time. For me, at least, there's a lot of guilt that comes with still being a wrestling fan because of that one fuckface. Well, I have good news for you, Nicholas. There's a television program that appears every Wednesday. <laughs> oh, is, is, Lucha, uh, on the is Lucha Underground back? <laughs> yes, that's exactly what I was I, That's the big announcement. That the Lucha Underground is coming back. Tony bought that as well. We're, so we're going to be running Ring of Honor, Lucha Underground. Eventually he's going to buy MLW and he's going to own that too. No. And I'm not saying this to, to suck up at all, score points. I'm not saying this whatsoever. And, and there, there's probably a, like a lot of critiques I can make about maybe the management skills of one Tony Khan. And I'm sure Twitter makes millions of them every day. But if anything that is a fraction of this that would happen like if we were ever on a tour anywhere or any in any place and one of his employees was treated like this there'd be fucking hell to pay tk would he's not a violent person but he would he would turn over every stone flip over every table and make it clear you do not mess with the people who work with me in in this manner even a transgression that's one one hundredth of this degree, if somebody on, on a military base just touched a female employee wrong, TK would explode, blast them on Twitter, do whatever, get in front of whatever camera he possibly could to make it very clear that this person does not treat his employees this way. And that should be the response to some transgression like this. And like I said, I, I can say a lot. There could, pro- there could be a lot of negative things that can be said about, about TK. Not for me. And, and one of the best things I can say about him is, is that, that if anybody ever treated one of his employees one one-hundredth of this, you would know about it and he would lose his fucking shit and demand that that person be treated with respect and have some sort of redemption. It really shows the state of wrestling and like the people in power in wrestling's morality that Jake basically just explained that Tony Khan would do the right thing, and it's such a groundbreaking concept in wrestling. Yeah. Yep, that's that's the thing. That's and I think that's I think that's the thing when people start going like, "Well, you know, WWE." Like, no, fucking, we are wrestling for a man that has a conscience. Yeah, he he has a heart, and you know, say what you will about a lot of things, that man has a heart. It beats for wrestling and. I've seen him do a lot of things for employees that are in a bad spot. And he's also demanded certain things. Like if they're like, he's, he's demanded certain things. Like in a situation, if I, if I'm stranded somewhere because of weather flight delays or whatever, and there's some sort of flight I can take for an extra 800 bucks, he's made it clear that his employees 
and it's your time to get home, we will do everything in our power to get you home for your personal time, your time with your family. Like there was a whole thing that came out not too long ago about like travel costs and, not, and them not being taken care of. No, my travel costs are taken care of and that man makes sure that I am home in a timely manner in the time that I, I wish to be home. And if there's any type of delay in that, the company will bend over backwards to ensure that I get home. Whether like if I have a connecting flight in Atlanta and Charlotte and I, and I say, hey, I got to rent a car to get home, they'll be like, absolutely. Do whatever you do to get home because that's the company edict. We don't care what the price is. Just even that simple courtesy every week. That is tremendous to know that I work for that individual. And that's why I always say that, the, that this is my last stop. But this is, this is not me getting on the soapbox. For TK, this is an, a 10 bell pod about Ashley's career. But we're only talking about this because it is to convey that it is possible to act like a fucking human being. Exactly. And be the head of a company. It's possible. I see it every week. So you could have fucking done it, Vince McMahon, and you'd still be a billionaire today. So if you uh, hit that skip button a few times, this is a good place to hop back in. Let's, uh, let's get back to some pro wrestling. So Ashley returned on January 7th, 2008 to Raw. She won a uh, lingerie pillow fight against uh, Maria, Jillian, Milena, and Mickey James. Ashley began a storyline with Maria and Santino on the January 21st, 08 episode of Raw. So Ashley was doing this thing where she was convincing Maria to pose for Playboy. And then Santino was like, no, don't do it. Boo from the crowd. We want, you know, that. that hey, Jake, do you have a Santino Morella impression? <laughs> <laughs> no. Well, okay, just check it. Just check it. I, was, I, was... I mean, isn't it just like you, you talk like a fake Italian? Yeah. A Santino, this is what I am. Like, I mean, I, I mean, it probably sounds like you sound like a, a stupid of, Jake. You not know what uh, Santino sounds like. That's an authentic <laughs> Italian accent. I, I feel like if I did an Ita- Italian accent, I would just sound like one of Ashley's relatives. <laughs> <laughs> Ashley, what's wrong with you? You turn your hat around backwards. Oh, everybody! Oh God! <laughs> I can't believe it. Will you eat something? Sit down and have some manicotti. (laughs) At Royal Rumble, Ashley would approach Maria yet again, saying this time, Hugh Hefner personally wanted her to pose for Playboy. Another good guy. (laughs) Another great human being. But And Santino interrupts this as well. But then at No Way Out, Ashley and Maria do this like segment at the uh, Playboy Mansion. It's kind of like this, uh, like behind the scenes of an event there with like some interviews and it seemed just like a fun, silly thing. Spoilers, Maria eventually did it. So, yay. On uh, March 30th, 08, Ashley replaced Candace, who was out with an injury in the uh, Playboy Bunny Mania lumberjack match at uh, WrestleMania. Technically a lumberjill uh, match, Nick. Lumberjill yeah, I'm match. sorry. Yeah. Hopefully they lumber me, JR. Hopefully <laughs> lumber me. Get it? Lumber me. Lumber me. Lumber me. <laughs> so uh, Beth Phoenix and Melina w- w- went on to win this. On the April 28th episode of Raw, Ashley competed in her last match, teaming up with Michelle McCool, Cherry, Kelly Kelly, Maria, and Mickey James to beat uh, Layla, Melina, Beth, Phoenix, Natalia, Jillian, and Victoria. It was a couple months later, she was officially released from her contract, and apparently it was uh, to help go take care of her, of her daughter. 
So about three years in WWE, and uh, she was out of there. In September of 2017, she kind of did like a one-nighter where she went and managed uh, Jillian at Zero One Pro Wrestling. You know that, Jake? There's been different iterations of it. There's like a Zero One Max. There's a Zero One USA. There's a Zero One Midwest. Like... There's a million of them. The only zero one that mattered probably closed up shop years ago. <laughs> Whenever Steve Carino stopped getting booked for him, zero one wasn't a thing. June 30th, 2018, Ashley started working as a radio DJ for uh, Long Island's 94.3 The Shark. The, 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 the Shark. With Johnny and the Hey, easy, you calm down over there right there. We're going to get the traffic here in a little bit, guys. We're cruising down here on the shark. We're swimming our way through traffic right now, which is absolute shit, am I right? You had to tell him, fart man. So let's get to the next very sad, horrible part of this. On May 15, 2019, Ashley uh, finished up replying to some fan mail, and she never showed up for work. Next morning, paramedics responded to a rescue call to her house in Smithtown, New York. By the time she arrived to the hospital, she was pronounced dead 10 days before her 40th birthday. Some uh, conflicting reports here about like how she died. Uh, it was initially reported by TMZ that it was a suicide. There is the possibility it was accidental with pills. She, you know, pro wrestler, nagging injuries, took painkillers. The thing with this is that uh, apparently New York has like this privacy law with deaths where it's an invasion of privacy to release like how and why they died, unless it's obviously like a criminal case or something like that. But yeah, uh, either way, Ashley passed away. WWE acknowledged it on the uh, Money in the Bank pay-per-view. You know, as we mentioned, Ashley was part of that lawsuit. It was eventually tossed out at the Supreme Court level. The uh, class action lawsuit with the wrestlers trying to sue for, you know, various injuries, mostly CTE. And I think we all want, you know, better health care, better retirement, better post-career treatment for pro wrestlers. But for some of these people in this lawsuit, it's like, okay, bud, you wrestled the territories, you wrestled Japan, ECW, WCW, WWE for like a year, nine years in the indies, but you specifically got your CTE and WWE, okay. It kind of drags the whole thing down. But in Ashley's case, there's no other wrestling experience. All of her injuries came on the job at WWE the mental and physical torture from everything we mentioned already working for WWE ruined this girl's life. There is 
no one else to blame for her injuries, for her concussions, for her depression, addiction, suicidal thoughts, the long-term physical pain, the unthinkable emotional pain from Kuwait amongst a million other things. And Ashley's blood is just another coating of red on Vince McMahon's hands that he'll never pay for. I actually met Ashley at a Matt Hardy Christmas party. Believe it was 2006. Obviously, Matt had all his friends there, and a lot of the North Carolina any scene was there. And here's this girl who was just uh, on the diva search and is soon to be posing in Playboy. And like, I remember her looking like kind of out of place, and I remember her being very polite and very nice and and being very friendly. Where she could, you know, if she wanted to be, she could be standoffish and be like. Ugh, you know, I'm surrounded by all these no-name people. She could have, she could have, you know, had her nose stuck up in there. She wasn't. She was a very down-to-earth person. I, I think I might have had a conversation with her and talked about something about North Carolina or wrestling or something related to the sort. Because I think we were watching wrestling was on on TV or something like that. And I remember sitting next to her and watching like a match or something like that and talking about it. But Super nice, super down to earth, super friendly, tremendously nice. Um, that that it still sticks out in my mind. And I know a lot of people that you know refer to her as like, hey, like I started watching wrestling, and like Ashley was my favorite because that's the type of girl I was. And you know she had an effect on people, and she was a good person and a good friend. And I remember doing interview with Maria and Maria talking about Ashley just being this nice beautiful blonde girl and they should have done more with her and yeah for her to have that type of end is just so incredibly sad um it's terrible it's awful she should have been given the help that she needed for the rest of her fucking life and she wasn't And she's no longer with us. And those points, I feel, are connected. She should have talked to somebody, had professional help at her fingertips for the rest of her life, and it wasn't. Wrestling let her down. And I'm sorry I treated her that way. You guys have both done a very eloquent, good job breaking down all facets of this she does really feel like somebody that if she had just been able to walk by this experience it could have been like a small fun story in her life but instead wwe's tentacles wrapped out and they reached out and wrapped around her ankles and like pulled her into this pit of despair that there were some good moments on but she was doomed to fail from the start like I said earlier she wasn't given the tools that she needed to to make it in wrestling she never got any formal training from what it sounds like and she was just she did damn good for having no training she yeah for real yeah she had a great feel for like connecting to the audience a lot of people really loved her Jake like you said a lot of people said that was her that was their favorite wrestler and It's sad to see that everything happened this way. 
All right. Well, that is the uh, unfortunately tragic story of Ashley Massaro. And on uh, a little bit of a brighter notes, thanks everyone who is tuning back in. Thanks everyone still interacting with us on social media, donating to Patreon. Jake, Tyler, you guys got anything? Yeah. If you guys have any thoughts on other like side content you'd like to see from us, uh, anything that isn't quite so heartbreaking all the time, maybe something on a lighter note. Uh, we're all ears. Yeah. We're, we're excited to make other stuff for, for you guys, and we really appreciate your support. Thank you so much for everybody that uh, donated to our Patreon, listen to us every single week. You know, just keep tweeting about the show, leave reviews, please leave reviews. That makes a big difference as far as whatever algorithm that exists in this world. Leaving reviews is tremendously helpful and much appreciated. All right. If you see Jake at a AEW show, give him a pack of NFL national treasures. See you next week. Same scout time, same scout place. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> Jake, did you watch that Jillian Hall video? What's Jillian Hall video? It's in the chat. Oh, let's see right here. You can skip a little bit. Yeah, about 750. 750? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Sorry about that. Oh, you're good. We were watching the Jillian Hall mole clip <laughs> all right i'm done <laughs> oh you got to the good part where it burst yeah i'm done <laughs> we're done here all right um let's see here so- <laughs> <laughs> <You> just- <laughs>